KRCL 90.9 FM, HD1, Salt Lake City, Ogden, Provo, 96.7 FM in Park City, and on the web at krcl.org. Homegrown's all right with me. Homegrown is the way it should be. Homegrown is a good thing. Plant that bell and let it ring. This is Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. I'm Laura Jones. It's Friday night, which means Punk Rock Farmer Friday, and Aldine is here. Hey, Aldine. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks, Laura. So on the show, we have a cavalcade of stars. Yes, we have a little bit of everything from all the different angles. We got uh, Amanda was with us from Salt Lake Top Crops, uh, growing greens right around the corner here. They'll be growing again this season. Uh, Cymbria Patterson is with us for some guild meetings that they're having up here in Salt Lake. And uh, farmers get together and talking, trading info, and potluck. We get to potluck, too. Ooh, it's potluck time? It is. Okay, Argyle Acres, I'm really excited to meet them on your Urban Farm Report. Chris Chris Argyle, he brought his wife and his 12-day-old <laughs> baby here that's, to the studio. That's fresh and homegrown. Pretty fresh and homegrown, for sure. Ar- Argyle Acres, it's up by Pine View Reservoir. Uh, had the pleasure of going and visiting there just about a month ago. And still a lot of snow up there but then, and there's still some snow up there now. We'll talk okay. to Chris, and he's... Uh, He's, we're going to talk. Character. I love it. All right. We also have a classic episode of Many Cultures, One Sky with Skywatcher Leo T. And Sheridan Hansen from the USU Extension Office is going to chime in with some uh, spring planting tips. Excited Alda. for that. Let's get some fresh and homegrown music, though. We have a special guest in the studio. Austin's with us, number one babe team. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Awesome. It's really great to have you here. I'm excited. I'm excited, too. Happy to be here. <laughs> so t- tell me a little bit about the band. I know it's a little different. It's not like a bass, drums, guitar kind of thing. Yeah, you know, this is basically a solo project, and I've always come at it. You know, I've been in a band. You know, <laughs> we go into the studio, you record the band. This is a little bit backwards for me, where I'm going to the studio, whether that's an actual studio or my bedroom, <laughs> recording the music, and then, you know, figuring out how we reproduce that live. Very cool. That is pretty sweet. So, a number one babe team. You were on the Slug Localized Showcase this month. How'd that go over that, at Urban Lounge? That was a ton of fun. With the Zizus, we had them on last week. Kind of working our way through the showcase, I think, Aldine, right? Yeah, we <laughs> have been. Kind of sticking to that. All right, so our first song. We want to hear a bit about it before we, we play this. Uh, Fever American Dream. Fever American Dream. Wrote this song for Summer of COVID. And, I, you know, I've never written... This is the most political song. I've ever written. Um, I've never really wanted to touch that, but I was just feeling really frustrated with the state of the world. You know, you got COVID going on. There's the hospital systems overwhelmed. California is on fire. That's right. Earthquake. There that was also hurricane. the earthquake. We had an earthquake <laughs> and a hurricane in Salt Lake. Um, and, you know, I, I think it just had to come out one way or another for me. So a little bit of angst, a little bit of punk rock mm-hmm. came out. Kind of, you know, but I wanted to fuel it in more of an anthem, more of a fun way, more of a satirical way. So we've kind of got this sort of upbeat, fun anthem, but uh, I'm really just channeling a lot of maybe rage <laughs> is where it started from. Al likes that. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so stick around, folks. You're going to find out where you can pick up the music of the number one babe team, where you can see... Uh, are you gonna ha- you're gonna have a full band in May, so we'll find out about that. 
Yeah, you know, I'm kind of adding band members <laughs> one at a time. Do but you want to do a call for band members right now? <laughs> I mean, you're, what do you you're, need? You're, you're you need? welcome to hit me up on uh, on Instagram, but uh, I'm not sure what we need right now. Right now, it's me and one other guy who's kind of backed me up with Ableton guitar and keys. Sweet. All right, let's do this. This is number one, Babe Team, fresh and homegrown, KRCL ninety point nine FM with Fever, American Dream.
Folks, the following is a repeat of a previously aired Skywatcher Leo T episode. While the moon is in the proper waning phase in this report, the background of the stars has changed a bit, but they're still up there, so enjoy. It's many cultures, one sky. Skywatcher Leo T here. As we climb into the sky with our own eyes, we can see the waning gibbous moon. That's between full and half, when Luna is in the phase where its visible surface is shrinking every night until it's a new moon and hiding then growing back to full. At any rate, the moon or luna shines in the east after dark, and binoculars will help you look to its upper left and find the sublime Pleiades, or seven sisters, which right now looks like a twinkly kite flying with its tail trailing below. See the sky chart on the Skywatcher side for all of this program, as well as some great photographs. Also easy to spot is bright big orange Capella. It's a few clicks to the left of the moon. And then on Saturday, the moon shines magically near a big, beautiful reddish star in Taurus the Bull, blinking at you, known as Aldebaran, the Eye of the Bull. And by midnight, Orion, the King of Kites, is clearing the eastern horizon. On Skywatcher Leo T, it's many cultures, one sky. As we talk about the moon, we delve into some of the interesting images people all over the world have of the mares, or seas of the moon. In many cultures, including the Chinese zodiac, the rabbit is a lunar creature with feminine energies and whose outline can be seen in the face of the full moon. Many Native American cultures, the rabbit myths tell of the hare returning the sun to the sky and restoring warmth, which I think we can all use a little bit of warmth along with a nice moisture we've been getting. On the Skywatcher side, the rabbit in a painting by Susan Sadenboulet and published by Pomegranate Communication shows a moon goddess venerated by the Ergic peoples of western Siberia. Although this goddess can assume many forms, the rabbit's her favorite. And let's take the little Skywatcher spaceship out a little further to visit the JPL NASA Mars rover called Perseverance. It is getting ready for a little trip, a little fresh round of exploration on the Jezero Crater region after helping confirm the ancient giant lake and riverbed in the Isidius Plantia just north of the equator in the eastern hemisphere of Mars. Check out the Skywatcher site for a cool map. As promised, we continue with our 3 billion mile voyage to Pluto on New Horizons. The first Earth probe that we know of anyway, except that maybe by the Aztecs or, or somebody, to explore Pluto. New Horizons not only checked out Pluto, but its moons. That's right, five moons. The biggest, Chiron, is in a tight dance orbiting with Pluto and has a few surprises of its own. Spanning half the moon is an enormous canyon, Argo Chasma that is almost twice as long as the Grand Canyon and has possibly the highest cliffs in the solar system. Pluto. Well, we'll check the young, surprising geology next time and at some point uh, get new horizons out another billion miles or so to a weird, knocked-out space rock. We've been heading there for a couple of weeks, but we will get there. It's many cultures, one sky, as we look up, look around, and get lost in space. Skywatcher Leo T. If you live in northern Utah, it's time to get your peas started in the garden. Select your favorite varieties. I love the snow peas, but you can choose the English or the snap pea varieties too. Add your seeds to a glass of water and soak them overnight before planting. Once they've soaked, they'll get all plump and chunky. Take these plumped up seeds out to the garden, dig a nice trench, and plant your seeds a half inch to an inch into the soil. Backfill, add some nice mulch to conserve water, and you're good to go. 
And that is Sheridan Hansen from USU Botanical Center. And I must have disconnected her. So I'm going to get her on the phone while we talk with our next guest, Aldine, okay. Gear Seals Punk Rock Farmer. You go ahead. Okay. So today we have Amanda Theobald with us from Salt Lake Top Crops. And you guys are right around the corner from the station. Yes, we are. So you guys walked over here. Yes, <laughs> That's we did. awesome. Save, you know, save gas and all that. And uh, go easy on the carbon footprint. Take a little walk. Exactly. So, uh, so, I know there was some speculation this year, and maybe you guys, you guys weren't going to grow. I remember a few months ago, and and I heard that, and that was kind of sad. What happened? So the we don't own the land. We're just on like a year to year lease, and he has been planning to develop for a few years, and keeps pushing it back, and he pushed it back another year. So now we can grow again. And so. How is it to just all of a sudden change horses in midstream, not grow, and now we're going to grow? It, tough? It, it is tough. It's also exciting. I ha- We both had really bad burnout after the last couple years. Um, farming had just gotten really hard and felt unsustainable for how we were doing it, like mentally and physically. So I got a job this winter, and having a more corporate job was like, oh, I need change my attitude and get excited and get back into the dirt so so, so it reminded you that uh, your 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 love and your hands really need to be in the dirt exactly yeah what are you guys going to grow this year anything different yeah we are one of the ways that we're going to try and um take better care of ourselves is to not push so many like cool weather greens and things in the summer and do more summer crops like a lot more peppers and eggplants soybeans uh sweet corn like a tiny 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 patch but we've never just things that we're excited about so that instead of just trying really hard to grow things that don't want to grow grow more things we're excited about and that actually like it so if people don't know that's a big change for you guys because you guys are on the green thing growing greens when and having greens when no one else has any and being really on top of those few months where there's nothing really coming in at the market except for some greens and only a few people have them you guys were one of those few people (laughs) yeah we'll still have greens we're gonna try and do more like hardier or heat tolerant head lettuces instead of the loose mix and then just kind of take like a month break because in order for us to get like a bag of lettuce we have to throw so much away because of all the bug damage and all of like the i don't know we just have not they don't like it so Uh we're just gonna try and rein it in with the greens sweet well i wanted to bring in sheridan hands we got her back on the line i believe sheridan can you hear us I can hear you. Thanks so much. Wonderful. We're talking with Amanda from SLC Top Crops and what they're going to do differently and wanted to bring you back in for some tips. And maybe, Amanda, you can talk about this for the home gardener, Uh, some tips to get going because uh, the USU Extension folks were showing how to get their peas in the ground already. Right, Sheridan? Right. It's time. And with these warm temperatures, it really is time. So, uh, yeah, now's the time to get all those cool season crops going. If you haven't got your beds prepped, you want to get going on that. So, so much work to do with these warm temperatures. And, Amanda, you said you're not going to be doing the cool season crops, but are you still having some in the ground right now? We'll still do them, just not as intensely as we have before. Okay. We're going to try and not flip so many beds in the middle of summer and try and get things established when it's, like, 
100 degrees. Now, Sheridan, your tip in the video that we played the audio of, and for folks, we'll tell you where to get that. You, you suggest putting those seeds in a cup of water overnight? Yeah, so if you can soak those seeds overnight, so things like peas, beans, uh, chard, beets, all of those bigger seeds can be soaked overnight. And it, it does this thing called imbibing, and that just jump starts the germination process. It gets the water inside the seed coat and gets that growing process kick-started. So it's a great thing to do if you're going to be planting to do an overnight soak um, and help yourself be a little more successful in the garden. So this is Aldir, and um, so when you're talking about when we start to direct sow a lot of things, like we're going to start direct sowing cucumbers and squash and and things like that soon, are are we going to soak those things overnight too? Not usually cucumbers and squash. Those don't necessarily need that. Um, but, you know, as we get into the warm season crops, which are the things that you're talking about when we get into May, uh-huh. um, beans are one of those that you would definitely soak. But the cucumbers, the uh, melons, the squashes, all of those don't necessarily need that. So you have to do a little reading sometimes, a little digging, um, or, you know, watch Garden Guys and Gals, which I'm part of, and we'll try and give you some tips to help you know what to do. Sounds good. And, you know, I know how resourceful that the uh, website you guys have is also I can get on there and I can go for weeks I think without following links <laughs> and just there's so much information available and I really love that about USU it's so I'm so glad you guys are here well great thanks yeah we, we try really hard to get a lot of really good information that's palpable um, and easy to digest for that average home gardener out there so that's great that you utilize it well, and the, uh, the guys and gals, uh, garden guys and gals that I uh, pulled the audio from, we'll put a link in the show notes. It's on Facebook. Really quick hits like we played to, to plant the peas. Something that uh, folks may not know about Sheridan, since this is the first time I think we may have had you on the show. I was trying to rack my brains and, and search on Google to see if we've had you on before. But you're head of the Master Gardener Program and the Urban Farming uh, Program through USU Extension, correct? Well, in Davis County. In Davis so, um, up in... Yep, in Kaysville. So I, I run that Master Gardener program up there, and I have a big emphasis on urban farming, um, especially micro-scale, so two acres and less. Um, so if you've been to the Urban and Small Farms Conference, you've probably seen me there um, by urban farmers. That's Those are the people that, you know, just speak to my heart. <laughs> like like yeah. Amanda here. Uh, how big is yeah. the acreage you have here? In the, just What did your uh, partner Elliot say? You can throw a carrot from your garden to KRCL. <laughs> Uh, it's a half an acre. Half an acre. Yeah. Half an acre, and you guys have and, this business. Yeah, Sheridan. Yeah. Yeah, you can grow a lot on some of these small-scale acreages. So we have a small garden at the USU Botanical Center that's an eighth of an acre, and um, only 2,000 square feet of it is planted in vegetables. And we consistently pull out over 3,000 pounds of vegetables every single year out of that space. So you can do a lot with a very small space, just like you know these awesome urban farmers are, are doing. Well, Sheridan, thanks so much. We're going to have to get you down here and bring in the other garden guys with you, okay? Yeah, thanks so much. Hey, thanks, Sheridan. We're going to put a link in the show notes tonight, folks, so you'll be able to catch up with Sheridan at USU. So, uh, Amanda, let's go back to what you guys are doing this year. Um, I, are you going to be... So, I know I know you guys did online stuff last year and pick up. Are you going to modify? You're going to you're going to have a lot of summer veggies and stuff. Are you going to be at market? What's going on? We don't have plans to go to market, um, but that could always change. 
Um, so we're planning on doing the online store and pickups at our house again. Just to, just to, and stick to the same. It yes. did, and that worked well for you guys. That was something that you switched over because of the pandemic, and right? Yeah, it just saves a lot of time for us to not have to display all the food and load it all up and try and keep it cool at the market. Um, and a lot of people prefer it because they can see every, all the options in one spot, pick it out, and then come grab it when it's convenient so it's like coming to an on to a store and seeing what's there and then pick what you want yeah and where's where can folks find you so that they can get in touch are you taking so you're you it's not a csa right it's not a csa um you get can buy whatever you want every right. week no subscription mm -hmm. and our website is topcropsfarm.com and our instagram is slc topcrops very good. I'm so glad you came. It's um, It's been a minute since, well, you know, we've seen each other around quite a bit recently. Yeah, even last night. Even last <laughs> night, you were at the guild meeting. We'll talk to you, or at the uh, fundraiser for Red Acre Center, and that was really cool to see you there. You were the meet and greet person, but we saw you at the farm conference. I saw you recently. And uh, I'm I'm really happy. It's it's good to see you guys. You guys are right here in the hood, right here by the station. Um, I'm so I'm so gl I'm so glad I can turn on the microphone. <laughs> I'm so glad that you're going to go another year. That that didn't happen. That the good things are happening this year. Yeah, it was really nice to post about that and have such a great response from so many uh, people that have supported us by buying from us or mm -hmm. just following along our journey. Well, anytime you want to throw some carrots over the fence, <laughs> the CL, you just let me know. Give me a heads up. I'll go out there and catch, okay? Definitely. All right. Simbria Patterson from Red Acre Center is here. Had that fundraiser last night. And the guilds, especially up here in northern Utah, coming around. Yeah, tomorrow night. So we hope we see Amanda again. So Utah Mil Natural Milk and Meat is hosting it. And they're going to do a farm tour. And we have a, a we've been using an app. Is it an app? We've been, it's been fun because they've organized it. The two people who put the guilds together organized it so they're keeping track of who's bringing what and you can see who's coming. It's kind of fun. The north is definitely more happening than the south. Even though I'm from the south, I have to admit <laughs> you guys have a better thing going up here. All these <laughs> urban farmers, right? Yeah, we're all driving up here to be with them. So, <laughs> so the guild <laughs> concept, I think of the guilds, I think of, you know, Middle Ages or what have you, and the different guilds and things. So there's a long tradition of folks networking together, and that's what you're trying to bring about with this. The farmer guilds were kind of, they revived them in Northern California and had a really great response up in Sebastopol area. So that's where we kind of copied the idea from. I love it. Last it decade or less than that, they did that. So, so. we're adding potluck onto this too, and that's going to be yeah. fun. And we'll, um, it, it was cool the, the way they... The way the sign-up sheet came out, and there's, yeah. you can see what folks are bringing, and and uh, you know, focusing on what's fresh and what's going on right now. At, the same thing went down at the uh, at the uh, fundraiser last night, Taste, and at Taste Snuck, of Art at Taste of Art at Snuck Farm. What a wonderful space that is down yeah. there! I had never been there. I know there was a bunch of us that had never been there. And uh, I'm sure it left an impression on our minds. It's such a beautiful a piece of property. Try, try to explain it a little bit for people on the air. It's a legacy project. So the family settled the area, the last three acres that were left. Um, Paige, who runs the farm, she used to be at the Salt Lake Farmer's Market. 
her dad chose to build this beautiful monument, I would call it, to agriculture. I mean, you know, they could have put their money in Amazon or another high rise down here, but they chose to take this last three acres in Pleasant Grove. Is that what I'm looking at on the yes. Facebook page? It is yeah. beautiful, big it's old beautiful. And barn. It looks like a barn. It looks, it, both sides are beautiful and the ends. And there's a beautiful kitchen in there. That, that's where they do their items for their farm stand that they added. And she lives on the property. Then they have two huge greenhouses hydroponically in the back. And just, it's a very busy street visually to the eye. What could have been there, that's there instead. And the whole front is animals. And people love to come to that farm stand and pull up. And the property isn't open all the time because it's hydroponics. And that's why, and they don't, it's not a venue they rent out. So the neighborhood isn't seeing weddings there every weekend. And so it's kind of special to have been able to have something in that venue because it's not a rented out space it was a really uh, a really great group of folks last night um just even for the mixer i was there and beforehand and a little music playing and some really nice charcuterie stuff but there was a lot of folks i knew and a few that i didn't know and it was really nice to like Talk to Mr. Julie Clifford. Oh, <laughs> you yeah. put that on his little card. <laughs> Mr. Julie Clifford, he was like laughing. He was he was pretty funny about it. But I mean, we talked about history and stuff. Something you don't get to talk to everybody like when you're buying something from them at the market. You don't get to to schmooze around a little bit and talk to folks and it, it was really great. It was great atmosphere. I'm I mean, um, I'm sure uh, I know the the rancher guys were getting together and talking about the cows tearing up the fields and stuff. And what did you feel about it? How did you feel how it went? I thought it was great. And it was Adam's vision. He insisted the farmers did not that were there that sat at the table were invited. They were guests. And there were five tabletops and each one had a farmer that was featured at one course nice so you know you had the high-end tickets that people bought to support the center but then every one of those tables had one of those farmers sitting there so so they could talk to folks and yeah. share their stories and that's part of uh, a, a small part of uh, i think what you're doing with the guilds but when i look at how you've organized it the guilds are going to meet once a season because farmers are very busy one of the things you mentioned on the website is you know farmers they're on the farm, so socializing isn't something they can get around to quite a bit. So this is going to help with that tomorrow night with the Northern Utah Farmers Guild, right? Yeah, yeah. I think Mariana, who started it, she said, it's just not something we're good at. And the idea came from um, when Megan did it from Johnny's. She did that Johnny gathering Suits, down yeah. at Luke Peterson's. Uh -huh, and uh -huh. She was like, this would be really cool if somebody just organized this. <laughs> Because we just we don't never get together up, right? and, right. and so. talk to each other, yeah. and, and I, make e it simple, make right? It simple. And even even here for the to get the farmers in the middle of the season on the show to come down, it's tough sometimes. <laughs> They're busy. We, you know, you work sixteen hours a day. You don't uh, you don't get out and socialize yeah. too much. So, veteran farmers, newbies, food based businesses, food advocates, join. food advocates can join the guild. Yeah. yeah. How do you join the guild? If you're a member of the center, you're automatically, you can be a member of a guild and you just sign up through that thing and you're, you're in. And the, I, I, so, you know, it can take on a life of its own. We hope that we'd love to see one in every county. We'd love to see them across the state. So we'll see in five years what happens. So if folks are interested in joining a guild or coming tomorrow night or starting a guild in their neck of the woods, what should they do? Redacrecenter.org. Or I love what Amanda did. She gave her Instagram, Redacre Center. 
because we're better at posting on there. Beautiful photos, too, when you go to Instagram for farmers, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, Simbri Patterson, thanks so much for coming Thank in, you, for always being willing to step up to the mic and uh, plug our community into what's going on with uh, small ag in particular. So, folks, reach out if you're interested, right, Al? Oh, yeah. Okay. Definitely. You can reach out to me um, at punkrockfarmer23 at gmail.com, or you can find me on Facebook. And uh, we're always looking for music, too. Yeah. And, you know, if you got something going on at your farm, at some events or some things, uh, something new happening, give me a shout-out. Absolutely. Okay, we're going to f- go to a fresh and homegrown tune. So fresh, it just got mixed yesterday, I believe. Austin from the number one babe team was telling us, Aldine, right? Right. Do you want me to introduce yeah, this one? We're absolutely. going right for it? Yeah, we're okay. going for it. This one is Buy the Ticket, number one babe team, fresh and homegrown, KRCL, 90.9 FM.
90.9 FM KRCL's funding comes from individual listeners like you, as well as businesses, corporations, and foundations. KRCL has an open meeting policy. The station holds open board of trustee and community advisory board meetings. You may view KRCL's yearly financial report, audited financial statements, EEO reports, and meeting schedule on our website at krcl.org. Guadalupe School in Rose Park needs volunteers to teach English to adult immigrants in our community. No teaching experience or a second language is required, just the desire to make a difference. More information at guadschool.org. It's that time of year. It's a little bit warmer. Outdoor concert season is just around the corner, and so is KRCL's Spring Radiothon. We've got a lot to look forward to. KRCL is about to bring back live in-studio performances, in-person record sales, and community events, along with a playlist to match. And we can because of your support. Spring Radiothon starts April 22nd, and your gift keeps it all live and local. You can make your donation at krcl.org. Live and local. This is Radioactive, the Punk Rock Farmer Friday edition. I'm Laura Jones. And coming up at 7 o'clock, it's Democracy Now!, followed at 8 o'clock by Not a Sideshow with Circus Brown. Keith McDonald checks in at 10.30 with Friday Night Fallout. And you can get all our programming. In fact, you can listen on demand at our website, krcl.org, under the Programs tab. Thanks to your support in the past. We look forward to having you join us for Radiothon again. And yeah, Al, going to get some live music eventually here on the Friday show. We're working on getting it all wired. We're excited for that. The room is right here, right next to us. And Mm -hmm. just to see it empty over there is... We're waiting. We're itching. We had Soli down here earlier, so I have every faith that he and Bill Ramsey will get it wired soon. Okay, Aldine, this is the time of the show where we do your Urban Farm Report, which is about... So it's always about um, small farms around here in the area, and it's always about uh, nutrient-dense food and growing practices. And uh, today we have Chris Argyle with us from Argyle Acres, and that's up by Pineview Reservoir, up above Ogden, up the canyon there. What a beautiful spot. Um, I I got to to visit back in February. We went to the Ogden Seed Exchange, and then we went to tour Chris's farm afterwards, Simbria and I and Sarah. And boy, oh boy, what a beautiful valley it is up there. How did you get planted there, Chris? Well, I kind of split my time between a town called Hooper, which is down kind of by Great Salt Lake, and then I had a lot of family, a big family farm up in Randolph, Utah. And so that's kind of the middle ground. I grew up down in Hooper, always wanted to be up in Randolph, but not that far away from the city. So the valley was the perfect middle point. We still got that small town vibe. You still got for 4th of July and have the small town. Just it's what Heaven. I wanted. Yeah. So big family farm, you said. Yeah. Uh, tell, tell me a little about about your history, how, you, um, how that farming got in your blood, because I know you started off a different way. Yeah, we actually... Family come over from England, moved over here, did the hand carts into Utah. They were always beef farmers, had big beef farms there. Family split, went up to Randolph and been running there for generations. My dad was actually the first one to leave the farm. He got a job down at Thicol and did that. And I grew up down here in the city, but I would spend my summers with my cousins uh, up in Randolph and we would go out, we'd move pipe in the morning, we would explore around, you know, 12, 13 years old, driving the cars around the dirt roads and uh-huh. doing that. And uh-huh. we had 
these Ertl farm sets, and for every Christmas and birthday, we'd ask for pieces for this farm set. We'd get together, we'd set up these giant farms and play farm, and it was something I always loved. And then uh, I, me and my wife, it, I, so I had a skydiving career before this. Tell us a little uh, bit about that. You were a professional athlete yes. before you turned farmer. Yes, I definitely. <laughs> Yeah, so I went out. I did some skydive. I had an uncle who used to skydive, and he took me out when I was like 17 years old, and it was pretty fun. But at the time, I was just having fun being a 17-year-old. And then when I turned about 19, 20, I went out for a second one, and then that was it. The bug hit. I sold everything. I just lived at the drop zone. I started packing parachutes to make enough money to do a skydive and just was a skydiving bum and worked my way up to where eventually I was – doing a lot of coaching in a wind tunnel. I was traveling around doing a lot of coaching at different drop zones around the country and got a chance to do a f- commercial. It was, a, was it a Super Bowl commercial? Super I was Bowl looking at it. Super Bowl 50 commercial for Pepsi and Papa John's. It was crazy. <laughs> I'm going to put a link in the show notes so you can see it. I might embed yeah. it because it was nuts. How much? Fun, how many How many dives did you have to do to get that? I think we did 20-something 20 jumps in Arizona That's for the aerial scenes. <laughs> and then we flew to California and did Four jumps into Charger Stadium for the football field landing scene. <laughs> that is so oh my cool. <laughs> One of the coolest things was as a skydiver, we got the chance to, they rented a big C-130 for us to do these shots out of. Well, usually when you have one of these planes as a skydiver, you're slammed in there with 100 other jumpers. Uh-huh. And you pay a big fee to get that ticket to get on there. It was me and seven of my buddies partying in this plane for a whole day, just doing jumps out of it. And it was amazing. Joe Montana was there. We got to hang out Joe Montana because he was <laughs> the one throwing the football. And it was a was he jumping out of the plane with you? No. Oh. <laughs> the plane was on the ground, ah, and he just <laughs> sit there doing film of him shooting the football, and then we went up and had fun in the sky. So we got a little background. Family farm, skydiver. How did you get? How did you decide that you were going to go back to ranching and raising livestock? Um, my wife was trying to – She's a. my wife is a very clean eater. It's for, if it wasn't for her, I'd be – I don't who knows where I'd be. Uh She's always influenced us. She's the one that pushed me into the skydiving to go full-time with the skydiving. She's pushed me into – she's the one that pushed me into the farm. I'm going to tear up saying this stuff. But she's been my huge support. So we were just trying to find good, clean meat. We just want a good, clean chicken is what we we're just trying to find. We couldn't find it. And so finally we we're like, let's just raise it. Let's just do it. And so we started to raise our own chicken, and we come across Joel Salatin and went down that wormhole. And then you just go down the wormhole, the next wormhole. Next thing you know, we have cows and sheep and – chickens and then our friends wanted some of the food so we raised food for them and it just was a hobby farm and then quarantine hit and the skydiving industry got shut down and we had the demand for the food my wife said if there was ever a time this is it go for it and so i stepped out of that career and went full-blown on the farm so let's talk about the farm a little bit because when when i when i got to come and check out the farm there was a, a central area one pen and the one pen had all the animals in it, pretty much. The cows were yeah. a little bit by themselves. But in the one pen, there's pigs of all different size. There's uh, goats, and uh, there there's um, chickens. The dog and the cat were in there. Oh, yeah. Um, your kids are in there. All these animals, it was the happiest farm I ever saw. In my, uh, how do you – how – I mean, you don't even fence them in very much. There's yeah. one little strand of wire. They don't want to run away. Why are they so happy? <laughs> That's because we give them the life. We, as Joel Southen says, we let the pigness express their pigness. We let the cows express their cowness. We 
kind of have the herbivore side where we keep the cows uh-huh. and the sheep and the goats and all that. And then we have the omnivore side where we kind of keep all the pigs. But we do have them broken up as far as our sows are together and then our newer piglets were together and then our what we call feeder pigs were together. And But, yeah, and the one thing that I did that you probably noticed was all those animals and you couldn't smell a thing. It was... It, it you could smell the grass the gra- the hay that's on the on the ground in there and that was it yeah it was just really i mean it was like a symbiotic uh, uh relationship between all the animals there and you wouldn't i i would i don't think most people think i mean you you think animal farm you know the pigs are ma- mean and they're they're overthrowing <laughs> the place and stuff yeah. but no uh this, yeah. this i mean they're coming up to you and brushing up against you and oh, yeah. everybody's happy and the dog's sitting in there and the cat's in there <laughs> like what is going on yeah. here you go out and see the cat laying on top of the pigs or the dog will be laying on his back and all the piglets are jumping all over him and but it's also finding the right breeds that suited our farm, which having our little four-year-old girl around, there were certain breeds we just didn't want, and you, you hear about. So we got Idaho pasture pigs. So the, the, the pigs, curly hair, and yeah. the snout is different, yeah. kind of snubby. Tell me about these. So these guys were developed out of three breeds of pigs. It was a Cooney Cooney pig, which comes out of New Zealand, which have really short snouts. Really, they're more of a grass-eating pig. They're not big rooters. and. Then it was mixed with a Berkshire for the meat quality and a Duroc for the growth. And this lady just developed this breed and made it to where she just found the best of the best. The ones that get along with these are friendly pigs. I mean, even my big giant boar, my little four-year-old would go in there. In fact, his name is Sergeant Snuggles. She goes out with Sergeant Snuggles and plays with this big giant 400-pound boar and then goes in with all the moms when they're having babies and sleeps with the piglets and the moms hang out with her and it's... It's the breed that's finding that's the right amazing. breed and then giving them the life that they want, giving them that. I think that the pigs were the things that scared me the most when I was a kid on my granddad's yeah. farm and twin. And that oh. does not sound like the pigs that I remember. No, I grew up with you never go in the pig pen. You don't go around those pigs. Right. It's, it was a thing. And these guys, I in, I always tell people, like, get in there. Jump in there and love on those pigs. There ain't nothing better than a little piglet loving I mean, on you. We were all in there. And you were <laughs> holding the conversation. And everybody's just doing their little thing. The <laughs> I mean, it, it was real. It's really amazing to see how happy they are, and uh, I guess uh, the happier the animal, the the better the meat. The yeah. better the you know, there's not all the bad hormones going through their veins. They're feeling yeah. happy and That's, stuff. I get all hippy dippy with that when I tell people I'm a big believer in the energy that you kind of put towards the animals and what they give back to you. And I truly feel these animals are at their loving life. I mean, you you go out there and you barely touch them. They roll on their back for belly scratches and. You know, the cows, I've got video of my little girl sitting on a hill just talking to this calf, and the calf is sitting next to her, and she's just laughing and telling jokes to this cow, and it's <laughs> sitting there next to her. And, yeah, it's just happy animals. Well, how do you, how do you come to this, you know? Uh, you said that you come from a, a farming family. Your dad was the first one to leave it. Yeah. So then how do you decide to go into it, but not only go into it, but use these regenerative symbiotic farming techniques? Well, it came down to, again, my wife telling me that the food she was finding was not what she was wanting. And so we kept just, tr- we started with the chickens. And then, you know, obviously once we raised some chickens, we're like, well, we got to have cows. I always wanted cows. Cows were like my thing. As a kid, I always wanted my own herd of cows. I loved cows. And so we started raising our own cows and we just, we wanted healthy animals. It just made sense. Herbivores eat grass. Why would we give them anything else? Why do we need it? And we had a lot of influence from YouTube videos and stuff like that of watching these people back east, Greg, Judy, Joel Salatin, you know, these, we'd watch these guys and see what they were doing and, but they were on the east coast where you can grow grass on a 
pad of concrete. I uh-huh. mean, it was not uh-huh. the high desert where we are. So uh-huh. at the same time, we were doing all these practices. We put them into play. And then now the farm's kind of transitioned to education because now I feel like I've got the experience. So I'm trying to help people out with like how you do it up here in this high desert and how we do it with this drought and this lack of water we got and just trying to. And uh, the other thing I learned was you can make a living doing this kind of farming. When I get into the farming, everyone told me, why would you do this? There ain't no money in farming. But it was easy to hear because when I was in skydiving, everyone said, you can't make a living skydiving. What are you doing? <laughs> and so when getting into farming, it was just easy. Like, okay, sit back, watch. Let's do this. And What what kind of products are, are you guys putting out there? And can folks get them yet? I know you guys are moving. You're transitioning and yeah, stuff. We cut it back this year because we're now starting on the new farm from scratch. But as far as there's no fences, there's no barns, there's no nothing. We're building everything. We are dropping a little tiny home off in the middle of the field and just going to start moving animals. But right now, we do not go through a USDA butcher. So everything has to be pre-ordered as far as quarters, halves, holes, animals. You can hit us up, give us on Instagram or my I put my cell phone everywhere. Are you able me. to butcher down the road at, at Smith at, at Sunnyfield? Uh, they do the custom exempt too, so that's also be quarter, half, whole stuff like that. I mean, kind of the move is to have your own little butcher shop almost. But I'm just trying to find a good USDA certified butcher that is up to our snuff, which yeah. I think we might have found. Hopefully, we're we're testing it out. We're seeing how it goes. So it really matters to you the product, the end product. Yes. When folks are going to buy this stuff from you, you're going to you're going to feel the difference. You're going to see. You're going to taste the difference. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Grass fed. No grass antibiotics. No. Well, what does that mean? Grass fed versus grass finished. So lots of times what they'll do is you'll have grass fed. I mean, all cows are fed grass 80 percent of their lives. Yeah. But what happens a lot of time they go in these feed lots and then they just start pumping them with all the corn yeah. and the grain and all that stuff to really just start slamming that weight on there. Um, it's I there's people that say it's kind of not that good for the animals there's people that say it is good for the animals as far as i'm concerned gorge right yeah i mean as uh far as i'm concerned it's like you know it's just like yourself suddenly slamming a whole bunch of wheat and a whole bunch of carbs in your body to try to beef yourself up you know it's just i can't think it's that healthy whereas the grass finished is they're eating grass they're on that pasture till their very last day so leaner i'm thinking yep leaner meat leaner meat but still good meat marbling you'll still like i take pictures of my meat all the time and i'll be like tell me that you can't get fat on a grass on a grass finished animal it's just a matter of doing it right finishing the right time of season you're not finishing a grass finished animal on dry hay in the winter you know Mm -hmm, feeding mm -hmm. with that grass then sugars are real high and It, it it's quite a community up there where you're at you guys know the next farmer down the road and you guys are helping each other out and you guys are bartering and doing service and bartering for stuff i know you're you're you do some veterinary stuff and (laughs) and you just soon trade for eggs or whatever so tell tell folks about that well i've had to be kind of become my own vet because we've lost a lot of the large animal vets a lot of them the the money is in spays and neuters of cats and dogs and they move away from they don't want to deal with the large animals so i've lost my ability to just call a vet and have them come up and do that. So I've had to become my own vet and I learn a lot from my family. I, my family gives me, I mean, they got generations of this knowledge. And so my dad, even though he left the farm, he still grew up on it. And he is yeah. constantly feeding me information. I mean, hits, he'll be out there with me working side by side with me. And then I'll say something and he's always got the, a good idea and a good, a different way of approaching it. <laughs> and it's that old farmer knowledge that it just, it helps. And so, yeah, I traded a guy who owns all the coffee shops, grounds for coffees. And 
I castrated the calf for him and he gave me a bag bag of coffee and another farmer I gave him a pig for five sheep and I just I'm all about bartering and I just want more farmers I want more community I want all of us because that's how we are going to thrive as us small farmers feeding off of each other and finding mm. each other's strengths and working off each other so you're also up in, an, in, in a new thing called Harmony Ranch up there. Can you explain what's going on? Because this sounds like a unique, not a unique, perhaps a return to the approach of community. It is. Harmony is, there was a couple of the Silverbergs, man. These guys, they were amazing. We met these guys. They pitched their idea to us, and I was going to kind of just help them with what they were doing. And then they caught word that we were going to sell our farm because we needed more land. We were going to probably move to southern Idaho or something where we could actually afford land and he approached us was like, you know, we we really kind of have you tied into this business plan. We'd like it if you could join us and we'll provide you with some more land. And he's, I mean, he's been amazing. He's, so the idea of Harmony is a development that incorporates the farm, incorporates the whole reason people are moving to this valley is because they want to be in these little farm towns. But it's happening, they buy a field, that farm's shut down, but there's still nine more, and then there's eight more, and there's seven more. And the next thing you know, you have a bunch of subdivisions named cherry tree lane but you can't find a cherry tree or yeah. you know you have the names <laughs> and so uh -huh. he's trying to show you a way of developing to where you can still have these farms and a lot of farmers want the opportunity to farm but don't have the land and a development like this would allow that opportunities for more farmers to come out and the community to support these small farms and all these small farms to it's harmony it's well, bringing harmony al you said you couldn't smell the farm that's one of the problems when development encroaches on farms and the homeowners don't like the smell of the farm. Mm -hmm. So is the whole development taking into consideration how to harmoniously live together? And it's, well, the one thing I always tell them is you'll never find a smell on my farm, ever. It will always smell like dirt or grass, that's it. Like when kids go to, sometimes these field trips, I'll hear them, you know, be like, what did you remember the farm? Oh, the smell, <laughs> oh, the smell. That's my first thing I tell everyone that steps foot on my farm. Now look around, there's 30 pigs here right now and smell what you can smell. Yeah. Grass. Grass, that's it. Wow. Because the way we're doing, a carbon-friendly, regenerative way of this farming. Speak a little bit to regenerative and the importance to you and to, okay. to the whole scheme of things. So our number one thing is soil health. I tell people soil health is our number one thing. The animals are just the tools we use to obtain that. This is our passion. It's one thing we 100% believe is could save agriculture and bring farms back to the, let families come back to the farms. And it's a way of intense, intensively rotating these animals, multiple species, running them through these fields, getting them on a piece of ground for a day and then moving them to another piece. And we're trying to get deeper roots, healthier soil. Just we're trying to save agriculture and save our soil because soil is, without soil, there's nothing. And, and in turn, uh, make people healthier. Yes. I mean, the, f the like you said, your wife is wants to eat very clean. The cleaner we can all eat, the less the less health problems and the less chronic illnesses there'll be. Yep. And this is more of something that instead of taking a drug to change things or make your make you better, you start by eating food that's produced the correct way. Yep. And Instead of taking the animals off the farm and bringing in fertilizer, we're using the animals to produce everything we need. No fertilizer, nothing. They put the, all the nitrogen down for us. They do it all. They eat. They mow the grass for us. They do all the work for us. And then they give us this amazing product at the end that, yeah, makes you healthier. Uh, a little bit. Just one. Uh, let me ask one more question about, uh, or just direct a little bit. You guys are not in the easiest spot to farm. Mm -hmm. You guys have a frost coming like in June, yeah, where you're at, and you still have snow where you're at. 
and you're you're trying to grow some veggies now too. What's your what's your take on all that? Go hard so that we can go through the hard times to show everyone what you can do in these hard times. After this, it's going to be easy. Get a place down in down in the city, and we could tell you how much easier it is to grow. And let's 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 go the hardest thing we can to help people make it make it easier for everyone else. And yeah, just do you what do a lot can. of education for others, uh, also folks that want to maybe visit the farm, haven't been to a farm, connect with their food. You call it integrity food, right? What yes. does that mean? Integrity is basically it's food that there is no guilt tied to. This food is it's not just what we're doing for the product of the food. It's what we're doing for the community. It's what we're doing for everyone around us. You know, it's I 100 percent without the community. We're nothing like we want to support everyone around us. We want to bring the healthiest food, the healthiest animals, the healthiest community that I mean, I just want to help everyone with this stuff i do a lot of farm consultating because i just want to help people start farms and bring people back to the farms and just get people back in this local movement and utah is amazing and red acre center if it wasn't for them honestly we would not be where we are with this farm it was because of them thanks so much chris for being a soldier in this thing and where can folks find you and ask you questions and things like that um i have an instagram page argyle acres and our website argyleacresutah.farm Excellent. We'll be sure to put it in the show notes, folks. You can check it out. You can even plan your birthday party up there, it looks like. That's right. We're, gonna, <laughs> we're getting it up. Come up and see us. I'm always standing in the field, and I'll always talk your ears off. Chris, <laughs> so nice to meet you, and congratulations on the new baby. Thank you. Thank you. Talk about homegrown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to go back to number one babe team to close out the show, Al. But I do want to say thank you to everyone who's been on the show tonight. It's been a fantastic show, and it's going to be posted online in the next hour or so. If you missed it or want to share it or want to – Look, check out the show notes and connect with Argyle Acres for crying out loud. But we have Austin Ryan Moss with us for one more tune. Uh, thanks for sharing your, your songs with us tonight. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So you got a gig coming up in May. Yes, May 25th at the International Bar and Lounge. That's down by the pie hole downtown. It's Salt right Lake. next to the pie hole, yes. Okay. Anybody else on the bill with you? Uh, no, to be announced <laughs> to be decided at and this band point. members to be decided as well yeah you know i'm gonna have at least one other person on stage with me um right now i'm just focusing on recording the full length so so yeah we've got these three singles that you've shared with us tonight so you got a full length in the works but you can get the singles already right yes there are two singles available on all of the streaming platforms that i am aware of yeah Buy the ticket, which you mixed just yesterday, not yes, quite that's there yet. Not, that is not a single. <laughs> that's something I threw together last night and this morning that will be on the album in one form or another. Is that what, because we pressured you to have three songs? <laughs> yeah, you said three songs, so I'm like, well, you know, better come with three songs. All right, so the gig's coming up in May. We'll put that in the show notes. Uh, anything you'd like to say about making music as we're coming out of, well, we're still in a pandemic, but it feels like hopefully we're putting it behind us. Yeah, I mean, fingers crossed there. I mean... I guess personally, you just say that I've just been so stoked to reconnect with the Salt Lake City scene, to get out there and play shows. And um, it's it's a beautiful thing for us to be able to kind of share our art in person. Um, I know a lot of people, you know, did a lot of creative stuff on their own during the shut in period. But it's been great to reconnect to this fine community we have in Salt Lake City. So tell us about this next song, Self-Conscious Dancer. This next song, I, you know, I really don't know what, what to say. It's, <laughs> it's called Self-Conscious Dancer. The music video is just me and my friends dancing weird in a field. 
Um, you know, you were talking about fields just a second ago. So, so there we go. We can do another video <laughs> in uh, Chris's farm. Yeah, maybe the next music video is on the farm. <laughs> 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 All right, folks, check tonight's show notes to connect with number one babe team, Austin Ryan Moss. Al? Number one babe team, this one is self-conscious dancer, fresh and homegrown, right here on KRCL 90.9 FM. See you at the market tomorrow. Hold on to what was, don't want what is, you keep wondering what if, but if doesn't exist, you hold on to what was, don't want what is, you keep wondering what if. But if doesn't exist, 
KRCL, Salt Lake City. And all this time, you thought that rusted out pickup truck was junk. Call KRCL's vehicle donation partner, Cars Inc., to tow your car and donate the proceeds to KRCL. You could pick up a tax deduction while you're at it. Learn more about donating your vehicle to community radio by clicking the support tab at krcl.org.